This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Mary was 59 years old when she died. Her life outlasted that of her son, Jesus, and although she was buried in the tomb where he was laid, her life tells a rich story of God's love. Mary's story begins with wonder, but also shame. Mary was told by Gabriel, an angel of the Lord, that she was to bear the Son of God, but to those who did not know this, she was simply a woman who had gotten pregnant out of wedlock. But God was faithful to Mary, and Jesus was born in Bethlehem without any major complications. All of this was done to fulfill the multiple prophecies about the way the Messiah was to be born. After Jesus had been born, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple to be consecrated. Simeon, a righteous man, entered in and upon seeing the baby rejoiced. Simeon also gave a blessing to Mary, which included some troubling words about Jesus' eventual crucifixion. When Jesus was 12, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple in Jerusalem, as was their custom every year. This year, though, as Mary and Joseph left, Jesus stayed behind, discussing the scriptures with the teachers there. By the time Mary and Joseph realized he was missing and found him, Jesus had been in the temple for three days. Mary scolded Jesus, and although Jesus replied with words of wisdom well beyond his years, he obediently went home with his parents. Mary treasured all that had occurred in her heart, and the three returned home. Jesus, now a 30-year-old man, had been invited to a wedding along with his disciples and his mother, Mary. The wedding host had run out of wine, which was a major faux pas in the time. Mary turned to her son for help. Jesus was reluctant to help, but Mary simply ignored him and told the servants to do whatever he told them to do. Jesus performed his first miracle and afterwards left for Capernaum, along with his disciples Mary and the rest of their family. When Jesus was crucified, the Gospel of John specifically features Mary with three other women John. Mary was given into John's care by Jesus because he knew he would leave shortly after his resurrection. Mary was there with the disciples in the days before Pentecost. Mary's story continued after Jesus' death and she is remembered throughout history for the part she faithfully played in God's master plan for the world. No message series will be complete without uh, talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, whom the Catholics refer to as the mother of God. She carried him in the womb. She nurtured him. She scolded him. She sometimes misunderstood him. She worshipped him, and she suffered with him, probably more than any other human being ever did. And so as we talk about Mary today, there's two main takeaways I hope that we have from this message. 
The first is to see Mary's unique role as the mother of Jesus and as a disciple. But also, I hope we really learn from Mary. I hope we grow in our relationship with Jesus through what Mary has to teach us through her example. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to go through six scenes, six episodes in the gospel and in the book of Acts that relate to Mary's story. And the first one begins, of course, with the announcement by Gabriel, the chief good news angel, to this little virgin girl, this teenage girl, this maybe 13, 14-year-old, that she's going to conceive. And she's going to bear the son of the Most High God. Now, Mary obviously is inquisitive about this. She wonders how this is going to happen. It's explained to her that the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow her. And Mary, to this announcement, to what she's going to have to bear, she says something very amazing. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Now, Mary typifies so much what women tend to be like when God asks them to do something. They are much more compliant than men. What do men do in the Bible? Well, Gideon says, you got to give me a sign. Moses says, get somebody else to do it. Women say, on the other hand, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you say. Men, we can learn a whole lot about how to follow God through women. Amen. <laughs> Mary um, is available to God. In her solitude, in this little peasant town, in this out-of-the-way place, Mary has a space for God in her life. Do we? How do we get that space in today's culture and world? A couple of weeks ago, a bunch of us guys went on a prayer retreat. And one of the things that we do at a prayer retreat is we, we send guys out into solitude, into silence with Scripture, but mainly just to go out in nature and to be alone with God and not to say a word to anyone. And in the midst of that solitude and that silence, they came back and they reported back and not telling stories out of school. They, they talked about their encounters with God and how these, you know, these really busy, productive men who do very well in life or these young guys that are, that are carving out their new way of life, they, they find out, they discover that when you give God space in your life, when you're available to God, God speaks to us. One guy had an encounter with God through a lizard. Another guy said God spoke to him through a little granddaddy long legs. Another guy said God spoke to him through a butterfly. Another guy talked about how God spoke to him even through flies. All I got was a bug bite. <laughs> but sometimes, even when you get a bug bite, it's worth it. Sometimes that's all you get. But you create a solitude. You create a space. You create a silence where God can speak into our life. It's what it means to be available to God. 
I've gone to a lot of different seminars and conferences and meetings the last two weeks. I've talked to people in the business world. I've talked to people that are parishioners. I've talked to brothers and sisters who are clergy, pastors. And everything points to this. We can't get away from this. We are tied to this. We can't get away from it. We are slaves to this. We don't know how to function or operate apart from it. And if that isn't enough in our virtual world, we have to create Pokemon 2. But there's a third world. There's the physical world. There's the Pokemon world. And there's the world of the Spirit. And if we are available to this all the time, if we're available to people all the time, there comes a point in our life where we're not available to anyone any of the time. And Mary wants us to know that. Mary wants us to follow her example. To be aware of God and to be available to what God wants to do in our life. I get schedules. I get busyness. This is not necessarily a slack place to work either. But the availability of our spirits to God is crucial. The second thing we learn from Mary is when Jesus is eight days old and Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple. Um, It's Jewish rites of purification. Depending upon the Jewish tradition, Jesus may have been baptized. He is circumcised. And in the midst of all that, he's greeted by two prophets, Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Anna, who we'll learn more about next week, and Simeon. And Simeon says something very intriguing. She sa- he says to Mary and Joseph, this is the child that's going to create the rise and the fall of many people in Israel. And then he says just something directly to Mary. And a sword will pierce your own heart too. So one of the things that we learn from Mary is that she is able to listen to God, not just in solitude, but she's able to listen to the voice of God through other people in her life. Have you ever heard from God through somebody else? They may not even have known it, but the words kind of hang in the the air. We're told in Scripture that Mary many times pondered things in her heart. She treasured things in her heart. She remembered things. She took things in. She listened to what God wanted to say to her through other people. So, friends, we also need community. I understand that God is at the lake. I understand that God is in the woods. I go to the woods myself. But I also understand that I need to hear the voice of God in community. I need to hear the voice of God through my brothers and sisters, people that I trust, people that are godly people. I I want to hear the Word of God speak to them. So one of the things I'm doing this month is, three times this month, I'm going to lunch where where I'm just simply listening to other guys or gals speak. And so uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went to lunch with these two compatriots, Jim and Jason. Now, just riding in Jim Mason's car 
while he's driving without either hand on the wheel is a religious experience in itself. But when I listen to these guys speak, and you see, I want to say something because I'm full of wisdom, right? I've got opinions. I've got things to enter into the conversation with. But when I am forced just to listen, I really actively then begin to listen and hear. And it's amazing the wisdom that comes through guys like Jim and Jason. I did it a second time this week, and another guy joined us at the table. And I found that when I do this spiritual practice that I'm listening better in the normal conversations too. And I'm hearing God speak to me through other people. That's what Mary learned. That's what Mary demonstrated. She took it all in and she treasured things in her heart. Another thing we learn from Mary is when Jesus is 12 years of age. We learn that from Mary that, that what do you do when you're at odds with Jesus? You know the story. Jesus is 12 years of age. They go to this Jewish festival. Mary and Joseph think that they're a part of the big family caravan on their way back to Nazareth. And they find out like two days later that Jesus is missing. And they come back to Jerusalem. They're frantically looking everywhere for him. And finally, they find this 12-year-old boy, Jesus, in the temple talking to all the authorities. And Mary says these words to Jesus. Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I wonder if she didn't say some other things too, but the text kind of cleaned up the language and the tone of voice. We also know that when Jesus is 30 years of age and he goes out and he starts his public ministry, that Mary actually sends the brothers, his, his other brothers and sisters out to fetch him because they're a little bit embarrassed at what Jesus is up to. They think he's a little bit crazy. So sometimes Mary is at odds with Jesus. Sometimes I think Mary is, is kind of embarrassed by Jesus. She doesn't know what Jesus is up to. And she demonstrates for me this sense that, uh, you know, I can be my religious false self and I can pretend that I'm at odds with God, but I never go there. Or I can openly confront God, talk to Jesus, and talk about what's bothering me and what's frustrating me. Because I think sometimes you and I get spiritually stuck because we don't know how to be honest with God. And Mary is honest with God. She's honest with Jesus. And maybe she's a little bit embarrassed by him. And maybe sometimes you and I are embarrassed. You know, too many times we parents, when our kids mess up, we may be too afraid of the shame they're bringing on the family or the embarrassment they're bringing on the family when really what God is calling us to do is to love them and to try to figure out what that means in helping a child in our family, in helping a loved one in our family. We can always love them. We can put aside embarrassment. We can be vulnerable. We can be real. And the one person you have to be real with is God. Mary is real. Even when she's at odds with Jesus, 
and so can we. A fourth episode, I love this episode of the wedding in Cana of Galilee. You know, Cana and Nazareth, they're just two little towns, kind of like Nixa and Ozark maybe 50 or 60 or 70 years ago were just two little towns two miles apart. Everybody knows everybody. They're at this wedding. Jesus is there. Mary is there. The disciples are there. And Mary whispers, comes over, come here, come here, Jesus. And he goes over to her. And Mary says, they have no wine. They've run out of wine. It's a big embarrassment to the family. And Mary is concerned. And Jesus just looks at her and says, woman, what do you want me to do? It's not my time yet. Jesus is worried because if he performs a miracle or a sign, it's too early in the game. It's going to draw too much attention to himself. And so Mary just gives him that look. Guys, you ever get just that look? Whether it's from a spouse or a mother, where you're supposed to do something. (laughs) Mary just gives Jesus the look. And Jesus very secretively calls the servants over, fills the water basin with water, turns the water to wine, best wine you could ever imagine. Jesus honors his mother. And there's so many things we could learn from this story, but one of the things it teaches me is that, you know, there's nothing too trivial to talk to God about. I think there's a spirituality that says, you know, I'm afraid that this is just too selfish for me to talk about. But, But, you know, if it's on your mind, why not talk to God about it? I'll let God decide whether it's too selfish or not. I'll let God decide whether it's too trivial or not. This is not a life or death situation that this family runs out of wine at a wedding feast, and yet it's, it's important to them. And Mary's concerned for this family, and she goes to Jesus with a sense of expectation, and she lets her request be made known. And somewhere in the Scripture, don't you remember Jesus saying, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. We can learn from Mary that nothing is too trivial or too small to talk to God about. In fact, I have found that if something is too small in my life to talk to God, if I can't talk to God about everyday, ordinary little things, I don't know how to talk to God about the big stuff. And so Mary teaches us to wrestle and to come to Jesus and to come to him with some sense of expectation that he cares and he's willing to listen. And then there's that scene, that ultimate scene where Mary and a beloved disciple named John come to the cross. Most of the men were scattered. They weren't there. Several women stood at a distance. Mary is close enough where she can hear her son speak. And Mary enters into his suffering in a way that I I don't think any other human being did. Have you ever been there when a loved one dies? Have you ever had to just kind of watch a loved one cry out in excruciating pain? 
and you can do nothing about it. And if you're a parent that's lost a child, it's something you never get over. That's what Mary's experiencing. That's what she's feeling. And Jesus tenderly says to to John and to Mary, here's your mom, here's your mother, here's your son. And when they take the sword and they pierce the side of Jesus, the words that Simeon had spoken into her life 30 years ago, it must have just come, come completely front and center. And a sword will pierce your own heart too. Mary has entered into the suffering and the passion of Jesus. And her heart is broken too. So on the third day, on resurrection day, Mary isn't present at the tomb. Other women come to anoint the body of Jesus. We don't know how Mary hears the good news. It's reasonable to think that she was emotionally collapsed and exhausted. But the news somewhere along the line is given to her that he is risen. And the beautiful thing about the book of Acts is that it continues the story of the Gospels. And it tells the story of how Jesus says to the 120 women and men that are in that room, I want you to wait. I want you to wait for what the Father has promised. For Jesus had promised them the Spirit. And what we do know is that Mary was among the 120 in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came and fell as fire and blew like the wind on those followers. And the Spirit of Jesus is once again carried in Mary. You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is what God has done for us on the cross. His life, his death, his resurrection. And it's also what God wants to do in us through the Holy Spirit. We're beginning a journey in three weeks from today The Holy Spirit is with you. We want to go through this together, kids, youth, and adults, as a church. We want God to be able to speak into each of our lives. And I want to encourage you to pick up the book today, uh, read the introduction, the chapter, but don't really begin the journey until September 11th. We want to go through this together. We want the Spirit to speak into our life. And we, we're going to begin a series of messages in which our worship is going to be about the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And we're invited to be a part of a small group or a class because we need Christian community. We need brothers and sisters to speak into our life. Because without the Spirit, you see, religion just becomes stale. 
And we just hit a wall spiritually. And we don't enter into the full life of everything that God has for us. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we can call God Abba, Daddy. It's through the Holy Spirit that we call Jesus Lord. And I want to invite you to be a part of that journey. The Holy Spirit is with you. Mary called Jesus son. And we can call him brother and friend and savior. Bill Hybels is the pastor of a mega church, Willow Creek, and about 10 days ago at the Global Leadership Summit, he told the story about the time when his daughter was like 11 years of age. And she came up to him, and he's busy at night working at the desk, and she says, you know, Daddy, 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 can I talk to you about what's going on in my life? What's going on? What happened today? And Bill Hybels said, I, he just said, well, Okay, as long as you can tell me really fast. And she just turned and walked away. He said, now wait a minute, I'll, I'll listen to you. And she said, no, Daddy, I'll just come back sometime when you don't have to listen so fast. So how is it in our life? How is it in your life? How is it in your relationships? How is it in your family life? Does everyone have to just say it so fast? And when it comes to God, do we say to God, go ahead and tell me as long as you give it to me fast? As our worship team comes and we enter to a time of worship, I want to just create just a little bit of space of silence for a moment where... Um, we give God some time to speak into our life.